This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. All right, welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. I'm Marshall Kellner. We have Matt Gallivan here and we have a guest for the second time. It's the return of Jack Day from KFAN and KFAN.com talking uh, some Vikings here. Welcome back, Jack. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to it. I think last time when we talked, it was a little bit more fresh with like the whole who in the hell is Jack Day thing. So we dove into that. I'm looking (laughs) forward to like actually diving in. Not that we didn't on the last time, but just fully diving into some Vikings talk because if you're listening to this, I'm sure you're well aware there are a lot of talking points around the Vikings world. All speculation, obviously, right now, but it's it's fun to get into those things. So I appreciate you guys having me on again. Yeah, and a lot has changed, obviously. We were talking during the season last time, and just a ton of changes. And one thing we don't need to speculate on is the head coach. That was finally secured uh, last week with uh, with Kevin O'Connell officially being introduced um, in that press conference. It seemed like we had to wait forever, uh, which we kind of did because of the Super Bowl, but uh, everything's secured. The whole coaching staff is uh, now pretty much secured, I believe. And, and Jack, you, you were there to see him get introduced. A lot of excitement. If, there, if there's one thing that stands out to you the most, what would it be in terms of uh, your excitement level for, for KOC? It's just refreshing. I think it's the same thing with Quasi's uh, press conference, too. It's, it's such a different feel. And obviously, you go back and you watch Mark Wilf's press conference after they let go of Zimmer and Spielman. I think I speak for bigger majority of the Vikings followers where I was a little bit surprised when the Spielman news broke. I wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily a huge shocking point, but the, the fact that they were really cleaning house and that they were bringing in a new guy, a couple new guys rather and you obviously see as well now too, with Rick Spielman in the media, kind of, I say, I've said this on a couple shows, almost felt like some sort of smear campaign. He was running, against Mike Zimmer it was kind of weird kind of watching that because I, I didn't I think a lot of Vikings fans were blind and in, in myself included I didn't really realize what was going on behind the scenes that they just weren't talking for the last couple months that obviously is a recipe for disaster so when I heard that I was like okay makes a lot more sense that they're both gone and I think just watching both of them talk the excitement levels it's easy as a Vikings fan to get excited for Kevin O'Connell because he's Essentially, if you're on the spectrum where you wanted Mike Zimmer fired a couple of years ago, he's what everyone has been calling for. He's that young, offensive-minded head coach that's going to come in here and he's going to run a, a more entertaining scheme. And him saying, I think it was kind of assumed, but him confirming that he's calling plays, I mean, bringing Wes Phillips over with him from the Rams, I think Vikings fans just need to be excited because this offense, like we were kind of talking about this before the show, I'm excited. There's guys, Irv Smith Jr., who was more than likely going to have a breakout season this year if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. Amir Smith-Marset, KG Osborne did have a breakout season. Amir Smith-Marset kind of started coming on as of late in the season. So all those playmakers, I'm excited to see him get his hands on that because obviously with Mike Zimmer, first time OC last year in Kubiak, it, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty obviously. And it was just kind of hovering around mediocrity. I know the team was in a lot of games, but they also lost some games that they quite frankly should not have been losing those teams. The Cooper rush Dallas game comes to mind in the Detroit game. But I, I think 
it could be the thing that excites me the most is just the word change, because I think there's a lot of change coming. I don't know where that's going to be. I don't know if it's the quarterback position, seeing some long-term veterans on that defensive side of the ball that were kind of the staples to that defense in the Mike Zimmer era. I think Vikings fans are going to have to, it might have to swallow some hard pills because there might be some players that aren't on this roster come the start of 2022 season. And right now that's, what's so fun about talking about this is no one knows who those players are going to be. So it's kind of fun speculating and kind of guessing. But as I was talking to you guys before the show, I love the draft, but this time of year with everything, all these moving pieces, it's impossible to get a mock draft and be like, you know what, this fixes the Vikings issues because there's more than just a couple issues like there was last year. And I think, I don't know, there's a lot of things to go back and forth on. If it's a rebuild, a mini rebuild, there's so many different words that get thrown out there. But at the end of the day, it's a new GM, it's a new head coach. And I think them coming in and just getting fresh eyes on an already fairly talented roster and trying to get more pieces on that roster is going to be entertaining to watch. Yeah, and those questions about who's going to be on the team are going to start to be answered really over the course of the next few weeks. And once you get past free agency, then you can really start doing more serious mock drafts because we'll know who this team's going to, to keep, go after in free agency. Um, a lot of decisions to be made. And one of the first questions Kevin O'Connell was asked was about Kirk Cousins. Uh, predict, predictably so, a lot of questions. And predictably, he's not going to say, even if they were planning on trading him this week, he's not going to say anything about that. He's going to say very positive things. And he may truly be, be feeling those. He coached Kirk in, in Washington as his, as his quarterback's coach. Um, I, I think one, one reason we wanted to have you on, Jack, was because you're very uh, rational when it comes to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and sometimes that can be hard to find, especially if you're going randomly through, uh, through Twitter. But what, what would you say, as, as we sit here today, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Kirk and his future with the Vikings in 2022 and potentially beyond? Yeah, I, I think the, the rumor mill essentially today, what it was, was Carolina. And there was something of an article on PFF that had the Vikings actually making, I believe it was three trades or three, not making, saying these are trades that the Vikings could explore. And Kirk Cousins was the big name on that list. And Daniel Hunter was another one. But Kirk Cousins, sorry, I'm getting a phone call right now. Um, Kirk Cousins, for I think it was for the sixth overall pick for Carolina this year and then a second rounder next year. Personally, I think you have to take that if you're the Vikings. I know you guys, I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that as well. Because I'm not, like you said, I'm not this guy that's going to sit up here and say, you know what, Kirk Cousins can't win in the NFL. I've been a fan of watching Kirk Cousins over the last few seasons. I think Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback, but at the end of the day, I just feel like there's more needs on this team that Kirk Cousins isn't going to be able to have a good season like he had last year and have a team around him that is going to keep him in those games. The defense was ranked towards the bottom of the league in 2021, and I just there's a lot of free agents because what Mike Zimmer did, he had all these guys come in on one-year deals, Patrick Peterson, Anthony Barr, obviously is a free agent, wasn't on a one-year deal, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, 
every single cornerback, Mackenzie Alexander, Bashad Breeland, Patrick Peterson, all three of those guys were on one-year deals. None of them are on the roster right now. Right now, the starting corners are Chris Boyd, Cameron Dantzler, and Harrison Hand. That would be the starting three right now. I think you can make the argument that none of the three are necessarily proven. I think there's excitement within Cameron Dantzler and what he could get to, but he's certainly had his ups and downs as well. So I just don't think right now that there's enough talent on this roster for a quarterback like Kirk Cousins to take a $45 million cap hit and be able to spread some money out and have enough resources to go into free agency. I do like this draft. I think there's a lot of defensive talent that is going to benefit the Vikings in this draft class. But at the end of the day, I just, I don't know. We've seen it the last couple of seasons where Kirk Cousins has a really good season. And I'm not going to argue that. I Like I said, I will put... Kirk Cousins, I can understand the people anywhere. We're from like a, this seven, eight range all the way to like 12, 13. I think you guys will probably agree that he's somewhere within that range. When he's on fire and he has like that five game stretch where he's playing really like lights out football, I don't even question that he's like a top seven, top eight quarterback in the league. But then you have games where I think it was two years ago, like the Atlanta game where it's like, <laughs> what am I watching right now? I think he threw three interceptions in the first half and it's like, he, he just, he goes back and forth. And at the end of the day, yes, the stats are going to be there because Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but I, I just think moving forward for this team, there's so many different holes that it needs. And when I talk about the defense, it's not just the starters, it's the depth. Those three corners that are listed are the only three cornerbacks that played at all this season. I'm pretty sure that are on the roster. So that's terrifying. Then there's other issues. Everson Griffin, I don't assume that he's going to be back. The Neil Hunter's contract issue Anthony Barr, Nick Vigil, two of the starting linebackers. There's holes all over the place. And I just, like I said, I think $45 million, I could get behind some sort of restructure. I think there was some speculation also on the other side of the spectrum where people were saying, hey, Kirk Cousins after the season said he wants to be in Minnesota. Maybe it's time where he takes a home count or a hometown discount. Reports are starting to come out like that's not very likely and Kirk Cousins doesn't want to do that. So I think there's going to have to be some give and take, but I, I appreciate you guys for starting the conversation by putting me in the middle of that conversation. Cause I take pride in that. Cause it's not very easy to find people where it's like, you know what, I can sit here and I can talk about Kirk Cousins and all the good things that he does, but I can also look into the future and kind of understand that a brand new GM who's 40 years old and a brand new head coach who's 36 years old, I could see where they wouldn't necessarily want to tie their names to Kirk Cousins. I know we've seen Kevin O'Connell, we've seen Quasi Dofamensa both say that they're behind Kirk Cousins. He is the quarterback of this team. They're not going to be saying that regardless of what they're going to do with Kirk Cousins. They're going to get his trade value up. And if it is, if if he is the quarterback of 2022, they're not going to say anything bad about him either. So I think it's funny that there's just so much like polarization on the quarterback of the Vikings, especially when I will say this. Kirk Cousins has probably been the best quarterback of my lifetime. I know I, the Dante Culpepper was pretty early, early on in my lifetime. And then there was one fun year with Brett Favre too. But other than that, Kirk Cousins, there's really no one that even comes close to the talent that he puts on the field. So it, it's tough because he is a good quarterback, but at the end of the day, I just don't know if he's got that elite factor in him where he can carry a bad defense and a subpar interior offensive line. Well, you know, I appreciate that you acknowledge the nuance of it, Jack, because I think what's really frustrating for Marshall and I is, and Marshall and me, is 
that the Vikings Twitter space is, treats it as if it is black and white. There, there is no way that you can take the opposite position. And I think as you've articulated, I mean, you know, we just saw what Matt Stafford did. Another guy who used to have games and moments or still regularly does where you're just scratching your head and say, you know, he's not a top 10 quarterback. And then he goes and wins the Super Bowl and has the no look pass. And, you know, so it, it really is not an easy thing. You know, I think we're, we've often, you know, come down is that Kirk has that great potential. Um, he has the talent and maybe with the right coaching and maybe with the NFC getting less competitive, that there's an opportunity to run it out there with him, but you have to listen to a trade. So the question I have for you is, you know, with, we know that you've got sort of the Matt Stafford standard of, of trades out there with two firsts and a third and the Jared Goff, you know, uh, contract sort of piece of it. What do you think the Vikings have to get or what's sort of the, the floor uh, in order to say, okay, now we're willing to trade? Because I think my biggest objection is to people who are basically willing to give them away for a bag of peanuts because they hate them so much, which doesn't make any sense uh, given all the holes and, you know, com competitiveness of the NFC potentially next season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think you can just give Kirk Cousins away for nothing. I think you have to get something in return, whether that is a first round pick this year, a first round pick next year, even, or if you can get two first round picks. Now we're starting to get a little bit crazy, obviously. I don't know if that's realistic, but the trade that was proposed today by that PFF writer, that first round pick this year and a second round pick next year, I don't think the Vikings would really even have to think about that personally. I think that's a no brainer because it's a top 10 pick in a loaded defensive end and cornerback class, especially in the first couple of rounds. And then next year, if, if they don't want to take a quarterback this year, I can understand that. I've, I wrote an article a couple months ago on KFN.com about how there's really, and this is a philosophy that I've had the last couple of seasons. I don't think there's a bad time to draft a quarterback. If the Vikings took a quarterback in every single draft class, I wouldn't be upset by that just because you never know. Like, yes, Matt Corral, these guys might not be as good coming out of college as what some of the guys were in 2020 and 2021, but at the end of the day, Josh Allen was looked at as a quarterback that wasn't as good as Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold. There's just so much that can change. And if you can get the right guy, I think a thing that goes, you brought up a good point at the beginning of that too, with Kirk Cousins with a new offensive minded head coach. I think you can get behind that. I can get behind that certainly getting excited to see Kirk Cousins in a system where the head coach wants him to be there. Uh, obviously, there's some reports that came out saying Mike Zimmer, it wasn't his guy. I think Paul Allen or someone had something saying if you weren't Teddy Bridgewater, it, it didn't matter who you were, you weren't going to be loved like that. And that's fair, too, because I think there was definitely a special bond between Mike Zimmer and Teddy Bridgewater. There's a special bond between the whole state of Minnesota and Teddy Bridgewater, regardless of what your thoughts are on him as a quarterback. But it is a down year to draft a quarterback. So if you can get that this year, you'd have two picks in the top 12. I think that would allow you to utilize two picks on, like I said, a defensive end and a cornerback. And then you, you, there's a lot of people that throw out this idea of a bridge quarterback. I don't necessarily love that, but if you can get a quarterback in the building, like a Marcus Mariota, like a Gardner Minshew, I think that's more just like the electric side that people want just because he is inter pure entertainment, but someone like that. And then I, something that was interesting, we had Paul Allen on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. He said, first and foremost, Kevin O'Connell, when he gets in the building, he has to assess what he has in Kellen Mond. And I thought that was insane to hear PA say that right away. Like he needs to figure out what he has in Kellen Mond because 
quite frankly, we don't know. I think there was a lot of people that were not very happy with the decision to start Sean Mannion in Green Bay, myself included. I was excited to see, hopefully see Kellen Mond in that game, but we just don't know. There was, I kind of liked him coming out of college or certainly some mechanic or mechanics issues, but yeah, I certainly think to go back to your question, finally, you need to get a first round pick. And if you can get something on day one or day two in next year's class, next year's class is a loaded quarterback class. As of right now, that could change, obviously, when we get through the college football season. But next year's quarterback class right now is shaping up to be a lot stronger than this year. So if you can kind of use this class to rebuild that defense and then kind of put some resources into that draft next year and maybe even trade up if you want to, it just depends on how the GM and how the head coach are going to see this quarterback class. And if they're like, you know what, we don't want to touch any of these quarterbacks. Let's wait till next year. I'm all on board with that plan. But like you said, I, you can't, if a team comes and says, you know what, we'll give you a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder and we'll eat Kirk's contract. No, we'll eat his contract and he can play here still because he is still a better quarterback than most of the options out there. And that's another thing with the bridge quarterback that I think people need to understand as well. It's likely not going to be better than Kirk Cousins. That's very unlikely that, that, that that's going to happen. So I, I think knowing that that's okay, and then maybe the team has like a down year next year, which no Vikings fan is going to want to hear. But quite frankly, they just, they've always been throughout the majority of my lifetime, they've been mediocre. They've never been bad enough to get one of these top quarterbacks and they've never been like good enough to get to a Super Bowl. Obviously that's, that's not true there. They've been good enough. I don't want to bring up 09 and start talking about the saints and I'll get all, then I'll get really fired up. But yeah, to answer your question, I agree with you. You can't just ship the guy out of here just because he is a $45 million cap hit this year. You have to get something that's going to value or bring value to this team back in exchange. If there's going to be any sort of deal. Yeah, it's funny you brought up uh, Kellen Mond. I think shortly after PA was on your podcast from from the hot tub, by the way, that was <laughs> that was very interesting. Uh, you know, that was the day that uh, Harbaugh um, and Harbaugh didn't work out with the Vikings. <laughs> Matt and I went into that on our last uh, episode, but shortly after that, I think PA had on Ben Lieber and said well do you think we need to see more or can he just not play because PA kept hearing like the dude can't play the dude can't play and Ben Lieber said I don't think he can play <laughs> so that was that was interesting to hear from a guy who certainly you know has connections inside the building has been inside there and and follows college football very closely as well some of his duties uh there so the thing, the thing I, my, my big question is, and you brought up how Quasi and Kevin O'Connell may not want to tie themselves to Kirk. I think the question can also be asked in reverse. Would Quasi and Kevin O'Connell be comfortable trading Kirk, you know, like you said, between a top seven to 12 quarterback and potentially tying their futures to an unproven rookie, either in this year's what we think down quarterback draft or or next year's, and really if Kurt's not here, who is the quarterback? I mean, it's a it's a bridge guy, like you said, probably, um, but but we don't know. It's going to be somebody worse than Kurt Cousins, and then you might bring in a rookie next year. That's usually not going to. I mean, rookie QBs normally don't make the playoffs. So then we're talking year three, potentially, 
of O'Connell and and Kwesi. I mean, I think it's pretty risky for them to trade away a top ten quarterback who you you he's a proven commodity. Yes, there's weaknesses there, but I think that's just as risky as saying we're going to tie ourselves to Kirk because you there's nothing preventing them from saying, okay, we're going to keep Kirk either on a restructure. I I don't see any way you can have a forty five million dollar cap hit this year. They'd have to restructure but there's nothing to say you can't trade him in the future restructure while simultaneously looking for that future young qb is that an option yeah i think so i I, one thing that i don't know why this came to my mind but i think the ideal situation for this gm and head coach coming in would be honestly if the team would have probably drafted justin fields last year i think that would have made this this opening that much more intriguing because you have a rookie quarterback that would have sat out the entire season. Maybe he would have played at Lambeau field, but he would have sat behind Kirk cousins all year last year. And I liked fields a lot coming out of the stra- or out of that draft last year. I would take fields by far. It's not even close. Number one, or as the number one quarterback in this draft class, it's not, there's not a quarterback that comes close to what fields was coming out last year. And I think there were kind of some rumblings last year, and this is where it, it gets interesting for me. There was rumblings last year that that wasn't necessarily a Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer thing where they went and they were like super intrigued by Justin Fields. And then at the beginning of the third round, they draft Kellen Mond. It sounded as if there was some pressure from the ownership down that they wanted to get a quarterback in the door. So I don't know, that just rubbed me in a way that Maybe if the Wilfs don't believe in Kirk Cousins, it just, it, there's, and I'm not saying that they don't necessarily, but it was kind of weird how all of a sudden that stuff started to come out during the draft process <clears throat> last year. But I, I do think, uh, to answer that question, I do, I think that O'Connell and Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, I do think that they're given some, some flexibility, obviously. I, I mean, 36 and 40 years old, like I said, they could go 0-16 or 0-17 this year, and I still think they're obviously going to have a job going into the next season just because they are so new. I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I hope not, or it's going to be a long season for Vikings fans. But I, I think they have to understand that they, they need to look at this roster from a futuristic standpoint. And, I mean, you have guys like Eric Hendricks, who's been so good for so long, Anthony Barr, who's been so good for so long, Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter. There's veterans on that defense that – we're talking about the Kirk Cousins trade value. There's some guys on that defense that could go make a difference on teams that are in win now mode and they would be upgrades on those teams. So there's just so many different moving pieces on this roster where I could see the the new GM and the new head coach wanting to say, you know, what, we're going to really dive into this and we're going to start fresh. And I, I don't really think that's necessarily going to be the case. I think it's going to be I, I like the term mini rebuild where it's not a full, they're not going to say, you know what, the Neo's gone, Harrison Smith's gone, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr. That's another thing. I, I, I ramble on. And if the more I come on the show, you guys will probably start to understand this, but we, the Anthony Barr thing, going back to Kevin O'Connell's press conference, that him saying that was like lit a light bulb up. And I just like, I was like, that was kind of interesting. I wrote it down right away. I was like, it's weird that he's saying that about a guy who's a free agent and Eric Kendricks is just kind of crying about how, when he, he was asked about playing with him for the final time. That's weird because we talk about moving to a three, four style defense. I, I think a lot of people would say Anthony Barr has been hungry to get back in a defense. I mean, he was going to go when he signed with the jets. I think that was more of a three, four style. And there was kind of rumbling throughout training camp that they were going to move to more of a three, four look. And then Anthony Barr wasn't, 
healthy for the entire season and it didn't it was always more or less they were in a nickel package for most of the time but yeah I, I don't know I, I can see where it would be concerning for Quasi and Kevin O'Connell's job where it's like you know we just lost an already proven quarterback yes we can say what you want if you want to rank him 12th if you want to rank him 14th he still is already proven he's when he has a clean pocket, he's got one of the better arms in the league. It's not going to blow you away with the, the arm strength, but the accuracy is there. Kirk is a very accurate quarterback, and I don't think you can really argue that. You can talk about the checkdowns and all that stuff. I don't know where people get that that information because Kirk can sling the football. He can push it down the field, and I think in an offense that's going to push him to do that, I think he could flourish. But at the end of the day, it, that offense might have to flourish and they might have to put up 35 points plus a game if that defense is going to be kind of similar to what it was last year. And, and, and speaking of the defense, you, you mentioned the change to a 3-4. Um, I think if they go 3-4, Anthony Barr has to they, – they have to keep him. I mean, he's, he's ideally suited for 3-4, whether you play him inside to take on some guards one-on-one or outside, um, e- either way. I mean, he's he could be so good. But talk talk about that if you could, in conjunction with Daniil Hunter, because that's the other big contract. He's due a huge roster bonus in the middle of March if he's still here. What what do you think of of that situation? It's so hard to project because he's he's missed, you know, a good portion of the last two seasons. Yeah, and that's actually interesting. That was in the back of my mind when I was talking. I was like, you know what? If Anthony Barr comes back, that might be more of an out for Daniel Hunter. If Anthony Barr is going to be more of a pass rushing type role, and they already, I mean, it was funny that Kevin O'Connell mentioned that because Anthony Barr had one of his best games of his life against the Rams. I think he had two interceptions or something like that. And I mean, Anthony Barr towards the end of last season was playing phenomenal football when he was healthy. I, it blows my mind that there's so many people that are like, you know what, let Anthony Barr go. We don't need him. You know, like that, that is insane to me. Cause I think Anthony Barr, not only is he the signal caller for that defense, like he's worn the green dot on his helmet, I think for the last few seasons at the very least, when he's healthy, he is a very talented linebacker. We've seen, I think I talked about this the last time we were on the show. Cause I mentioned being at the Coliseum. I was at that Rams game in 2018, I think. I think it was Kirk's first year in Minnesota. They had Anthony Barr, and now now watching the Super Bowl, watching Cooper Cup, it's even funnier saying this now, but trying to watch Anthony Barr run stride for stride with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, that's you're putting him in a position to fail. That's not where Anthony Barr's strengths are. He's better around the line of scrimmage. He's a good tackler. I think we've, we've never really get, gotten to see him rush from the outside. It's always been more that double A gap look that Mike Zimmer loved to run. So I don't know. I, I think Daniel Hunter is the one that's going to be probably the bigger talking point. I, I would welcome Anthony Barr back on this team. I think most people should because the talent is there. And if you have Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr there, I think that kind of shores up that unit. You're going to have to bring in another linebacker or two, obviously, because Nick Vigil, like I said, was on a one-year deal. So Daniel Hunter, that that is the interesting one. And that this, this is the biggest one. This was the trade that was in that same article that I was talking about. It had Daniel Hunter, I think, going to Buffalo for a fourth rounder this year and a second rounder next year. I don't do that, I don't think. I think Daniel Hunter, when healthy, there's this 
kind of weird thing going around that he's like super, super injury prone because he's gotten kind of some freak injuries the last two seasons. Before that, the guy was healthy every single game, it felt like. And yes, now it's scary. The neck injuries, neck injuries are always scary. But when the guy is healthy, he is a huge, huge difference maker for that defense. I think we saw it last year and people don't really realize this. I think the Vikings were like second in sack totals. It's not just about the sacks. You watch DJ Wanham and run support trying to kind of establish that edge. It, it was garbage. It wasn't good. It was tough to watch at times. And Daniel Hunter is very good in that area as well. Not only does he have a nice repertoire of pass rushing moves, but he also can kind of set the edge and, and be a huge impact in the run game too. So I, I know Ben Lieber, who you just brought up, there was something that they were talking about last year when we were kind of talking about this potential switch to a 3-4 style. And he talked about Daniel Hunter and he was like, you know what? I, I don't think Daniel Hunter fits a 3-4 style as much because he's better. He gets his leverage with his plane in that three-point stance rather than standing up <clears throat> on two feet. And, and that was interesting to me. I, I'm going to take the opinion of a guy that has played in 3-4 defenses. He's played in 4-3 defenses. He's played in the NFL. I'm going to take his opinion, and he kind of knows he's been around the team. And that was kind of interesting to me, hearing that, because if that is the case, I think Ed Donatel, Kevin O'Connell, these guys coming in the, into the building, they're going to kind of understand that as well. So I think that could open up the trade market for him. But again, similar to Kirk Cousins, you can't just give Daniel Hunter away either because Daniel Hunter is a very, very good, I think you can make the argument when healthy, he's a top 10 pass rusher in the league. And quite frankly, those don't grow on trees, just like quarterbacks, top 10 quarterbacks don't grow on trees. Well, and we also saw what it was like the year before when he wasn't healthy and we had Ngakwe for a few games and he was still our sack leader just, you know, at the end of the season. Uh, so be careful what you wish for uh, trading him away. Uh, getting you out of here on this, Jack, you mentioned some of the other veterans that are, you know, high cap hits, getting older, fan favorites. You know, we've had everything from Thielen going out there and talking about how much, obviously, he loves the Vikings to, uh, I think, uh, KOC talked a lot about, you know, how uh, great Harrison Smith is. You know, between Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, how are all of them here next year? How do you put them in chances of, you know, not being on the team if we're doing a mini rebuild or uh, tearing the whole thing down? Yeah, I honestly, as much as it kills me to say that, I think Adam Thielen is the one that would just like rip the hearts out of this entire state because everyone, I mean, it's just a story that you you can't not love that story. I mean, it's one of the coolest stories. And if you're a Vikings fan, you've heard it 50,000 times across the different broadcasts that the NFL do because it always was brought up through the first three years when he was kind of ascending in the league. But I've said this several times on both of my shows, quite frankly, I, I can't say that anyone is safe on this team. I think you can say that Justin Jefferson is safe. And then I make the argument that Brian O'Neill and Christian Darrisaw are safe. And I'm not saying that Christian Darrisaw is already proven and saying that he's a stud left tackle. That's not the case, but he showed me enough that he's on his second year of his rookie deal. You have two tackles that you can build around. And right now I think those are the three that are safe. And, and then there's not many that follow. I think Eric Kendricks is probably one of the safer ones on that defense, but uh, this might've been another Lieber nugget on KFAN where he was talking about Kendricks and how he doesn't know if he's going to have, he doesn't have that size to be on the interior. If he's going to have to take on guards and in the interior offensive linemen, 
that's not the strong suit of Eric Hendricks. Eric Hendricks is very good in run support when he has big bodies in front of him. Like he was talking about throughout training camp last year, the, I think it was, was it the beef eaters, the meaty boys or something? He had the shirts with Michael Pierce and Delvin Tomlinson in front of him. He needs that. And then he's also obviously elite on the back end in coverage. So I don't know. I, I really can't answer that with complete certainty because nobody can unless you're inside TCO State or a TCO Performance Center right now. But I, to answer it as the best I can, I really can't just say that there's anyone that's 100% safe. And I know that's going to, like I said, rip out the heartstrings to a lot of people in the state. But there's a, with a new GM and a new head coach, changes are bound to follow. And I just can't say that anyone is safe. All right. Uh, with that, we will uh, we will let you go. That that was uh, terrific stuff again, Jack. And uh, we'll have you on again uh, near the draft, which is uh, as you said before the show, the time when you go into geek mode, and uh, that that's what that's what we want to see. We're all about that here, and uh, it'll be an exciting draft. Quasi Adolfo Mensa's first draft, Kevin O'Connell as well, um, and it could be a brand new direction for the Vikings come come draft time. So thanks again for, uh, for coming on, Jack, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks, All Jack. right, that's Jack Day from KFAN and KFAN.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack underscore H underscore Day. All right, excellent stuff there from Jack Day once again. We thank him for, uh, for coming on, and we'll have him back on, as we said, uh, near, near draft time. Always good getting getting his takes. And uh, like I said, during the, during the interview uh, from a rational uh, perspective on, on Kirk Cousins, um, the positives and the negatives, um, I think he's more leaning trade, which I wanted to, which is one reason I wanted to have him. We would be more leaning, keep him. But I think all of us say like, if a trade just blows you away, like that trade for the sixth overall pick, I, I don't think Carolina would do that. Um, if you can get the sixth overall pick and a second rounder next year, you have to think long and hard about that. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. I, I mean, where you and I have always sort of been like, is we'd like to get two first round picks if you're, t and, and our key has been one of those first round picks has to be a top 10 pick. And it can't be one of these like 18 number 18 overall type of thing. So if we're talking about the number six overall and, you know, a number two pick, I, I think you, you know, and they're taking on, you know, only getting the $10 million dead um, cap hit. Uh, you know, I, I think that you have to think seriously about, you know, it's tough to give up on Kirk, but that's more in the ballpark of his value and all the benefits than some of this other crap that people are floating out there, you know, and, um, you know, he, he is, uh, you know, a, arguably a top 10 quarterback. And so just getting one measly first round pick that's middle of the round is not enough, but that to me is more in the ballpark where you have to seriously think about it. Yeah. And then like, like Jack was saying, you start, you, you don't necessarily have to use that pick on a quarterback. Uh, no. there's no reason to reach for one. If you don't feel strongly you use those picks to start rebuilding your defense. Uh, and, and I mean, I think that's been since Kirk arrived and we've talked about this extensively, the biggest failure since Kirk arrived has been a lack of quality draft picks specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And we saw 
with the injuries they sustained this year. Now, maybe no defense could have overcome that, but especially when you had the uh, lack of depth that the Vikings did, it was really exposed uh, this year when they had a bunch of their frontline guys miss substantial time. Um, we wanted to also uh, go back to a question you asked, Matt, uh, near, near the end of our talk with, with Jack. You asked an interesting question about uh, about five different Vikings. You want to you want to uh, restate that question, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. So as Jack did a good job of articulating. You know, when you you're having a new coach and a new GM come in, you know, sometimes we as fans, especially you know, when we're being irrational, sit there and say, "Oh, good, we got rid of the problem that was the coach and the GM, and we're just going to trot out all of our favorite players again and act like there were no other issues with the team." or that magically any cap issues go away. And so the five names that keep sort of being floated, mostly for cap hit reasons, as potentially leaving are, you know, Cousins, as we've talked about, Daniil, which we spent time with Jack, and then, uh, you know, Kendricks, Thielen, and Harrison Smith. So the question is, if you had to part with one of those players, who would you part with? Now, and I'm assuming that, you're parting with them for a reasonable value, but given the, the dynamics and what we know right now, the competitiveness of the NFC potentially next year, um, the weaknesses on the team, who would you choose to part with from that group? Yeah. You, you know, Kendricks has a pretty good deal, uh, more, more team friendly than some of the others, but with the shift to the three, four, he would be the one that jumps out at, um, he, he's a tremendous leader, very well respected uh, in in that locker room. But like like people have have said, and I've heard this from Paul Allen and Ben Lieber and others, and Jack mentioned it as well. Uh, Kendricks is not ideally suited to the three four. Uh, you you want that beef in front of him, whether it's Pierce Tomlinson when Linval Joseph was here, we saw how how Kendricks thrived. He needs that in front of him. And he's not going to be able to take on guards constantly throughout the game, uh, like an Anthony Barr can. If an Anthony Barr may play inside in the three-four system, everyone thinks he might be the outside rusher. He might play inside, take on those guards and, and pressure from the inside, and then he can move outside as well. Uh, pretty versatile when, when healthy. Uh, but Kendricks is, is great in space. He's great in coverage, uh, and he's great when those big guys are in front of him, but when you only have three down linemen, there's going to be um, more opportunities for the linebackers to engage one-on-one -on -one against huge offensive linemen. And that's just not Eric Kendrick's forte. His forte is using his athleticism and, and not, not really pounding against those, those guards and centers. I will say though, and Kevin O'Connell mentioned this in his, in his opening press conference, there's not a lot of base defense anymore in the NFL you're a nickel 70 maybe 80 percent of the time so you might not even see yeah that might be the base look the three four but you still might see you know five defensive backs out there in a nickel situation and two linebackers and in that case you know the the liability of having Hendricks taking on offensive linemen it, it might not be as pronounced when you're a nickel so that's another thing to, to keep in mind. Uh, but of the, I mean, the, those others, Thielen, he, he might need to restructure, but it's tough, like Jack said, 
it's tough not seeing him around on this team. Kevin O'Connell mentioned Harrison Smith, how he loves having, how he is looking forward to having him on, on the back end. And then the others you mentioned, the other two? Cousins and Daniil. Oh, Cousins and Daniil, which we talked about. Um, I think Daniil is a Hall of Fame type talent. Uh, and, and like Jack mentioned, until these past couple of years, he was extremely healthy, extremely durable, extremely reliable. And we've seen what the defense looks like without him. It's not good. Um, and then, and then cousins, I mean, if he's off this team, who is the quarterback of this team? It's somebody much worse than Kirk cousins, most likely. So, you know, I, I just think with the move to the three, four, the answer would be Kendricks. What about you? I think you make a good case for Kendricks. I, you know, I, to me, the one sort of non-negotiable at this point is Harrison Smith. Yes, he might need to restructure, and it's not just because he's a, a fellow domer. Uh, all that you need to hear is how Kevin O'Connell talked about Harrison Smith and how Aaron Rodgers talked about Harrison Smith after playing, you know, us in, in that first game that, you know, that we beat him in, like, he just does, I think, so much on the field uh, and is so versatile uh, that to part with him, I think, would be extremely detrimental to any defensive effort going forward. Um, I, I think it's tough. You don't want to lose any of these guys. Thielen is the heart and soul. Um, you know, while we're deeper, arguably, at wide receiver with maybe Smith-Marset coming um, up and K.J. Osborne stepping up, uh, and obviously JJ, that maybe you could navigate that a little bit more. Um, but he's the emo emotionally the most difficult one to part with, as Jack talked about. I, I sadly lean probably from that group from Daniil. Not not because of obviously the talent that you're talking that you talked about. Um, and I don't think that there's evidence that he's just going to consistently be injury prone. Um, but I think if I had to choose, it's the combination of the injuries, the cap hit, the ability to potentially find other defensive ends in the draft and other through other means that hopefully are good enough and and the move to the three, four like that. The you know, and as we talked about with Jack, that the combinations of those, if you're making me have to pick and you're assuming that you can get enough value um, in a trade that he's the one that I reluctantly choose um, because I, I just, I think by process of elimination, I think we can't trade Kirk because we don't have a plan there unless you get someone to overpay. And even then you're going to have to accept um, that you're setting things back by multiple years. And I think that's a mistake with where the NFC is. So Daniil's my pick. Yeah. My, my worry with that is you'd be getting pennies on the dollar for him. And because of the fact that he missed all of 2020 and over half of 2021. And for a talent like that, that'd be really tough to, to take and almost surely watch him dominate for whichever team he went to. I will say on Kirk, and this just occurred to me, that one thing I would say is just to cover all your bases, I would call San Francisco. And we saw San Francisco they were very close to the Super Bowl this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't think anybody's going to say Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Kirk Cousins. And we know the affinity. Oh, well, Marshall, well, some there, are a, lot of, there yeah. are a lot of irrational people out there that the okay. wings crowd. 
that will say that. And by the way, I want to get back to your point in a second, but let me just say this. For the wins crowd out there, keep in mind that the type of coach that everyone wants right now, the Sean McVay that's held up as the best, that that Washington Redskins team that had Hall of Famer Mike Shanahan as head coach and on the staff included uh, what you had, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan. Yeah. You had Matt LaFleur, you had Mike McDaniel, you had Sean McBay, you had Aubrey Pleasant, who people were throwing out potentially as a defensive coordinator for the Vikings. You, you had all Kevin O'Connell. Uh, you eventually you you did have Kevin O'Connell eventually. Like the all of that, you had Raheem Morris was on that staff, Jim Hazlitt was on that staff. That collective group got three wins. So don't tell me that wins are everything when you're working for a dysfunctional organization like the Washington Redskins and Judge and Kirk off of that. So anyway, I want you to get back to your point. But no, I just, and, that, and, that and I bothers. mean to that to that point, Jared Goff got a lot of wins and went to the Super Bowl, and he didn't get very many wins with the Detroit Lions this year. It's almost like the organization matters, and it's almost like it's a team game. So, okay, I'll revise my statement. <laughs> most rationally thinking people know that Kirk Cousins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but we know the affinity Kyle Shanahan has for Kirk from their time working together. And with them being so close to the Super Bowl and all the other areas of their team, great O-line, great running game. And Mostert was hurt uh, for, for this entire season. Debo Samuel is an absolute beast. I mean, what a freak of nature he is. Uh, he might be my favorite non-Viking to watch. I mean, he just runs over people and away from people. So talented. And once they started using him as a running back, in addition to being a wide receiver, he's virtually unstoppable. Uh, they almost went to the Super Bowl this year. So if you can say, hey, like, we'll trade you Kirk straight up for Trey Lance, well, there's your – There's. I'm not saying – I don't know enough about Trey Lance – but the Vikings did their own analysis of him last year. They do have a lot of those scouts still there on, on that scouting side. Not everybody uh, left with Rick Spielman. If, and, and Kwesi, I'm sure, did his own analysis of, of Trey Lance. If they have a high opinion of him, it's worth at least calling San Francisco because San Francisco is a Super Bowl-ready team with an upgraded quarterback. It's hard to imagine that they that Kyle Shanahan – I mean, I know he loves Trey Lance, and he was basically saying Trey Lance is the starter next year when Jimmy Garoppolo is still the quarterback. Like, he got asked about that and said, oh, yeah, Trey Lance is going to start next year. So weird situation there. Garoppolo did handle it with class, and he is a good leader. Uh, it will be interesting to see where he goes. I could think – I could see him in Pittsburgh with a run-heavy team with Najee Harris. That's something to, to keep in mind. But – where does San Francisco go? Do they just hand it over to Trey Lance when they were in the NFC title game? I don't know. That's taking a big risk if you're if you're Shanahan, and he may want his guy, Kirk Cousins, if he's available. Something to consider, at least. I, I think there are going to be calls about Kirk. There's no, no doubt about it. Um, and you have to listen to all of them, to your point, whether it be San Francisco or Pittsburgh or Cleveland. I think one of those desperate playoff teams is more likely to make a move on that versus a Washington, a Carolina, even I know Denver's going all in, but I, I think that, you know, or the Saints, I think you want the LA Rams type of team 
who are going to overpay. Um, you know, I don't think straight up for Trey Lance personally is enough for Kirk, but that's just me. Um, no, you might, you might do more, but that would be the, the, the crux of the deal. But agreed that you, you, it's one of those teams that I'm more likely to listen to on him, but you've got, as we just keep talking about, you've got to have a path forward because otherwise you reach a point that, you know, my biggest, we've talked about, I know we can wrap it up on this. The problem with trading Kirk is at what point do you just need to tear down the whole thing? And if, you know, I would be fine if these people who are advocating so strongly for trading Kirk also supported equally trading Daniil Kendricks, all five guys that we're talking about in this question, because there's no way that you're going to get some young guy that you draft this year that's probably ready to then go out and lead you to the promised land so quickly You've got, you, you've, it's got to be lightning in a bottle and it rarely happens. Yes. Joe Burrow got lucky in the second year, but I mean, he, he also didn't win it. And there were a lot of pieces that had to fall into place correctly. And I just yeah. don't see us being there in that category. Joe Burrow was the top pick in, in a good QB draft. Also and it had just come off national championship and has a very unique skill set and unbelievable mental game i mean what a leader he is uh not not to mention i mean cincinnati then followed that up with another top five pick in jamar chase his college teammate so they arguably got the best player in two consecutive drafts you know so and they had free agents they had veteran free agents who signed with them just to play with joe burrow and that was before burrow had even proven himself because the word got around very quickly about his leadership characteristics, what a great team guy he was. And even veterans wanted to play with him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They got some guys to, to sign with them for under market deals. They have a ton of cap space. Now this year, when you hit on a QB on his rookie deal, that's great. But the majority don't hit the majority are more like Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, you know, that kind of style. And all of the USC quarterbacks that have been drafted in the first round recently. (laughs) Uh, Calm down. Carson Palmer had a pretty good career, but that's going back. I just couldn't help take it. You can also (laughs) add all of the recent Notre Dame quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when when you go to the Jets, you know, sorry, it's not going to. Sanchez and Darnold both went to the Jets. But you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, totally. You're talking about the odds are that you don't hit. That's yeah. what the odds are. And then if you get into a situation where you draft a QB like they did with, with Ponder, they got in that, that situation. And then a few years later, Leslie Frazier's gone out the door, almost got a coaching job this year, I think. Um, but he, he was out the door because of Ponder mostly and the defense had gotten really bad, but, but Ponder gave him no chance. And then they're drafting Teddy and then they're right back into the cycle again. Like you can get into a really bad cycle if you are wrong. So that's why to me, it's like, keep Kirk restructure. Now, if it's not true that he wants to stay in Minnesota and won't take a little bit of a discount or at least spread the money out, then that's another, that's a problem. But if he can lower the cap hit and does want to stay here, you keep him here. And that doesn't prevent you from trading him next year or the year after, if you identify the young QB in the draft, 
and taking him and feel good about him. But you can do both at the same time. You can keep him, compete, and search for the young QB. That's what I do. I I'm agree with you wholeheartedly. And I'll just say, I hope all the rational fans out there remember that 95% of any reports that they're reading at this point are all bull. And no one really know, no one knows whether Kirk will take a team friendly deal or not, other than Kirk Cousins and maybe his agent. And that'll be communicated to Rob Brzezinski uh, and Kwesi and not to, you know, local reporters that like all of that is, you know, just as all the reporting around the Vikings are definitely keeping Kirk or the Vikings are definitely trading Kirk. No one, we don't have enough facts. These GMs don't have enough facts to be making those decisions yet. Uh, So we just need to wait and see, and it's going to be interesting. uh, But certainly uh, one of those five is likely uh, to be on the chopping block just uh, because of salary cap purposes and the need to fill lots of holes and it's going to be tough but it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together yeah i would say about a month from now in the middle of march madness uh when my usc trojans are making a deep run again uh we'll have a lot more answers to these uh to these tough minnesota vikings questions i think the next few weeks are going to be very very interesting the new league year i think starts or free agency starts on March 16th, I believe. So you have that little legal tampering period, uh, but there could be dominoes to fall before that. And we know a lot of rumors get swirling and free agency talk at the combine, which is next week. So it's going to start heating up here very quickly. The NFL never goes out of the spotlight and uh, we'll have it. We'll have it covered for you here. And we'll also, uh, we'll talk some uh, wolves maybe next time as well. Cause uh, they have about 20 plus, little over 20 games left and uh, right now they're in the seventh spot in the western conference uh they get to the sixth spot they avoid the the playing round um so very interesting in the in the minnesota wild as well crushing it so a lot to talk about and uh we'll have more for you next week but that was a vikings heavy show and uh, as always it was fun man yes it was All right, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again to Jack Day for joining us from KFAN and KFAN.com. We will talk to you guys next time. See ya.